Yo, this is Ty from Novex. Make sure you go check out Novex. It's available now. You can check it out on YouTube channel. Galaxy of Film. Appreciate the support. Holla. Alright, and welcome back to the Brand Ups of Galaxy of Film. I'm, of course, your host, Max, and this week, stepping up into the co-host role is none other than Tyler Jansen. How are you doing, brother? What's up? What's up? How have you been, man? It's been a couple weeks since we've had you on. Oh, it's pretty good. I just ran three miles just now, more like sprinted. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tired. I, I feel mm. pretty good. <laughs> I eat a lot of food now. I eat calories. Because you, yeah. you, you burn a lot when you run. Yeah, yeah, because you're prepping for, what, a marathon again? Half marathon. Half marathon. There you go, man. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. You're better than me. You'll never catch me dead running a marathon or any half marathon or anything like that. But uh, more props to you, bro. More props to you. <laughs> I run a lot now. I feel you. I've been going on walks, man. Get me feeling like our other guest star over here. We got Harold lined up. We'll get to him in a second, of course. But got me feeling like you, Harold, because I know you go on like your morning walks and whatnot. I've been going on walks too. Got me in a bit of a, a kick. So I feel you on that, Tyler. Feel you on Feels that. Feels good, doesn't it? It does, except when it doesn't. <laughs> it's okay. You start walking, and then you incorporate hopping a few fences, and then a few sprints up the hill. Mm. Oh, it's, a, it's a it's a graduated process. Yeah, I guess I don't so. do any of that though. No, okay. <laughs> only the best here, Galaxy of Film. Oh, thankfully we're not alone. Like I said, we got our main gamer Harold in the house. How are you doing this week, brother? It's been a couple weeks since you've been on as well. I'm doing good. Everything is great. As far as the morning walks, they're still going. Pokemon Go and all that. So very all nice, good. man. Very nice. Still keeping up with the Pokemon Go. That was my next question. So there, <laughs> right away, yeah. man. Very nice. So what's been doing in your life that's been going on lately? Right, so we got the new year coming in fresh, coming in hot. What are some New Year's resolutions you've been working on that you've ditched already? What's new with you, bro? Uh, ones that I that I'm currently doing. Staying, staying healthy and in shape. Okay, okay. Me too, me too. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Ones that I ditch, uh, <laughs> I don't think I have any. <laughs> no? Not yet? I feel you. Better than me, man. Better than me. I'm not a New Year's resolution person, personally. What about you, Tyler? Oh no, I started all of this before Christmas. I don't. I don't do Christmas or I don't do Christmas revol resolution revolutions like that. I just kind of <laughs> do whenever I feel like it. And you know, it's funny to start right when the new year starts because it feels like a fresh start. But sometimes I forget, and then I just do it anyway. Like Mike. Yeah, bro. I like your guys's way of getting fit more than mine, though, because mine hurts a lot. Yeah. I should just start walking, but then I can't walk this marathon because it would take too long. Oh, that's not fun. Yeah. Good luck with that, buddy. Good luck with that. Well, guys, we've got a very special show for you this week. We are, of course, discussing some more Pixar films, kind of going through Whittling Way more and more at their library. Uh, this week, we're talking about Finding Nemo and Inside Out. And, of course, last week on the podcast, we were discussing some sexy thrillers with former adult film star Lee Darby. Uh, discussing Basic Instinct and Exotica, so link down below for last week's episode, check it out. Uh, we had our boy Chris Sorrentino, who's also featured in my newest film, Goonies and Agony, which is pretty cool. We are talking a bit about that film as well. Uh, but so we're going ahead for a couple announcements, going back to Goonies. Uh, something we've had going on for the past couple months is a GoFundMe to help crowdfund the film Goonies and Agony. And the GoFundMe is officially over, originally ending on January 10th. And we went ahead and pushed it back to the 20th. And now, of course, it is finished as of a couple days now. And for the bottom of my heart, guys, thank you all so much for who have donated, who have shared and supported this GoFundMe. Um, we've got an incredible project I'm so very proud of that we're finishing up now. And I can't wait to show the world. And it could not have been done without each and everybody's help for uh, with this film. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you all for assisting in this project. So, yeah, can't check it out soon, guys. Goonies and Agony will be quite something. Speaking of short films, we got our film No Vex that me and Tyler did together. That's currently out now. Tyler, do you have a couple words for uh, for No Vex a couple months deep into this now? 
Oh, yes. I love how it turned out so much and everybody involved from the actors to Andy who helped me produce it. It was just great. It couldn't have turned out any better. And it got a really good reception at January 4th. I was mm-hmm. not expecting that. that. That was very self-affirming that my music is musically listenable and watchable, <laughs> too, with the short film. Yeah, man, that was that's right. The, the event we had on January fourth, we had our first ever Galaxy Film Showcase. Uh, we've talked about it in the show the past couple weeks as well, kind of recapping it for everybody. But yeah, dude, we got to showcase a couple films, including um, pretty much everything we've done in North Carolina. Ken Dog, Like a Surgeon, Distinguished, uh, then following up with Novex, of course, then premiering Goonies and Agony, of course. But yeah, Novex had an incredible reception at this screening. And a little bit of a tease. We got some other stuff in the works too, man. Another uh, another event lined up hopefully in the next couple months for everybody. So stay tuned for that. If you miss seeing Novex on the big screen, you'll have one more chance to, guys. So stay tuned, everyone. Stay tuned. Um, speaking of going on and on, you know, of more Galaxy of Film expansions and things we're going on with, of course. Um, Awards Bait, our other podcast series we have going on currently that's hosted by our buddy Jake. Um, this week he dropped a new episode because the Oscars nominations were announced this week, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Actress, the whole nine yards announced. Uh, and this week Jake had a chance to go ahead and discuss nominations with our boy Johnny Zuko from the Bump of the Night podcast. Link down below, check that out, support Awards Bait, guys. He's got some great stuff coming up this finale. But that's enough rambling about in-house announcements and all the whole catch-up and shebang going on with Galaxy of Film. We have some news to cover that I want everyone's thoughts for. Um, First up, we have a new Jurassic Park film, or Jurassic World film, is in development with the original film's writer. Um, No characters from the Park films or the World films will be returning, and this is a whole new storyline. Tyler, you're a big, big Jurassic Park fan. Uh, we did the World Films a couple years ago on LFG, and then last year we had a chance to sit down with VFX artist Andrew C. Nelson to talk about the Jurassic Park trilogy. What are your thoughts on the return of Jurassic again immediately after we just had Jurassic World end? Yeah, bro, that was a that was a fucking bombshell when I heard it. Well, I think we were originally under the guise that the park series that was a trilogy because i think the tri means the number three and the 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 world series i know i thought that was a trilogy too so i was not expecting a fourth movie bro and they're not going to have any of the new people so it's going to be like Man, how would you even? Well, that's what we don't know line. yet. Like they're they're throwing the term Jurassic Park and World. It's a new storyline, so it won't be a fourth film. But I'm saying I'll it's in the same franchise, same premise of Jurassic, though. Either way, some mm-hmm. dinosaurs are gonna be fucking up some human shit, and I'm all down for it. <laughs> I know that's right, Harold. What about you? you hear man? Are Jurassic. You a... Oh, go ahead. Keep going. You hear Jurassic? That's what you expect. We love dinosaur movies here. Well, I do. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Harold, what are your thoughts on the Jurassic Park films? Have you seen these before? I have. I, um, I like Jurassic Park. I love it, actually. Oh, okay, um, sweet, sweet. So what are your thoughts on this actually, new one? One of, my, one of my friends actually love it more than the rest of us, but mm. we really love going to see Jurassic Park. I'm always into, you know, it always seems like there's just one chasing and all the Jurassic um Park movies and mm. that one, that one scene always had me on edge, no matter what it is. So, talk about the first movie. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the Jeep and the T Rex. Uh huh. Mm. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. and all all the chase scenes always have me on edge, no matter which one it is. So yeah, that's for sure. Some good filmmaking on them right there. That is a. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on Jurassic Park returning already, Harold, this new series coming up? What do you hope for it? Um, I'm going, I'll always go into a Jurassic Park movie hype, no matter what. You know? Okay. So can't wait to see it. Going to a positive attitude like always, man. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Very nice. Optimistic. Um, I'm, I'm a little torn on this one, man. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with having other storylines in Jurassic Park kind of deal. It doesn't need to be a trilogy or just, you know, a family saga kind of like Star Wars is. Um, but it just, it, it seems very rushed and weird. Like, we just got finished with Jurassic World. 
Um, I know t- Jurassic. I mean, when we were in high school, Tyler, Jurassic World's return was huge. You know, the second yeah. one wasn't that great and had you know bad reception, and the third one is not that great either. We kind of discussed about in our LFG, but it was still a big deal because we had the original cast returning all together for the first time in oh, one movie yeah. kind of thing. But now that we're like stepped away from this and these last two didn't do so hot, I, I don't really know, man. I'm not like I'm not at the edge of my seat for this. I'll go see it, sure. I hope for the best. I hope I'm blown away by it, you know. But like. This I don't think this will be one of my most anticipated films of the year, kind of thing at all. I think this will just be something I see, and it's either going to be really, really good, and I'll be blown away, or it'll just be average, and I'll kind of forget about it, unfortunately. <laughs> you watch it for the plot, Max? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I watch it for something else. No, I get that. See, I get see, that. See, dinosaurs fucking shit up. Yeah, but no, I got you. I understand what you mean. Yeah, but um, speaking of plot lines and things coming up, this next piece of news, Tyler, I know you're also very interested in. Um, Hayden Christensen, the man who is known as playing Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars, is rumored to voice Shadow the Hedgehog in Sonic 3. Tyler, it's no secret. We've already done both the Sonic movies in the podcast before, too. You know, you and I see these together. It's like a family tradition thing. We get all of our friends to come with us in theaters open night to see these things. We dressed your kid up as Sonic right when she was born, for Christ's sakes, man. It's, it's our thing. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts for Hayden Christensen and Sonic 3 as Shadow? And what are your thoughts on this movie coming out next? Or this Christmas, actually? Oh, I'm all for it, but not going to lie, I'm kind of scared of Shadow because of all the Sonic games I played. I never made it that far into see Shadow. Really? Or I never okay. Yeah, because Sonic 2, I don't think Shadow was a thing yet. So, like, no, Shadow no. in the lore is still... Uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little creeped out by it, bro. But cool voice acting? Hell yeah. And a third Sonic movie coming this Christmas? Yeah, I'm for it, man. Christmas Day. Is it? Do you know if it's going to have uh, Jim Carrey in it, too? Or is it the same cast? Yeah, I think Jim Carrey's returning, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so this will be the third part of a, I'm guessing, what will actually be a trilogy? I mean, there are three original Sega games, so... Yeah, that's what kind of people are speculating, but we don't really know yet. I'm assuming if this does well, we'll get a fourth. But I mean, like, Sonic's been pretty consistent for the last five years, which is kind of shocking in in film, you know? Especially when we were talking video game movies. I mean, Harold, you know from being on the show repeatedly, video game movies were not that great a lot of the times, you know? So the fact that Sonic is coming back for the third you know, every two years, and it's solid each one, is quite impressive in my opinion. So I don't know, man. We're going to wait for more details, but I'm looking forward to Sonic 3, to be honest with you. It's one of my most anticipated for this year. I like so. Sega. Yeah. <laughs> Harold, what are your, uh, your thoughts on Hayden Christensen voicing Shadow? Uh, that, that's Anakin Skywalker, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Mm. I'm really happy for it. Okay, and what are your thoughts on on Sonic Three? Because I know you love the first two Sonic movies as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so excited for Sonic Three. Yeah, mm. I, before the Spider Verse, Sonic the Hedgehog Two was the most times I've seen um, the same movie in one year. And oh, you know, yeah, you were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it four times that year. That's so I crazy. I might even see, well, I can't say I'll see it more because it comes out in December, but I'm really <laughs> excited about it. There's When it comes to Shadow, like everyone's a, everyone loves who loves Sonic. There are some people who don't like the characters, but I've never met somebody who said they don't like Shadow. Shadow is like one of the most loved characters in the Sonic franchise. Mm. And every, every Sonic game I play, you know, that involves Shadow, I love playing it where it was like Sonic Adventure 2. It was like mm. Sonic Heroes, Sonic the Hedgehog 06. Like, all the, all the games where you use Shadow is amazing. Even the side games, the Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games and all that. Just so using good. Shadow is everyone's favorite. So this movie is going to gonna hit hard for Sonic fans. And even people who aren't a fan of Sonic at all. Mm. We did take a friend to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Mm. And he, he didn't even see the first Sonic. But when he seen Shadow... And the end credit scene, it definitely made him want to see the third one. There so. you go. That's good to hear, <laughs> man. I love how positive Sonic's like films are too, bro. 
I really yeah. do like it's it's amazing whenever you know that ugly Sonic trailer first dropped and everyone was kind of <laughs> freaking out about the movie. It's amazing, amazing the turnaround they kind of had with the actual final product. Love it. Um, I'm pumped I forgot for all about that. I'm I'm so pumped for Sonic Three. So excited that Hayden Christensen is back to acting. Um, that's something you know we've discussed in the podcast for years now about you know some of the Star Wars actors' careers kind of like not really skyrocketing after being within Star Wars and whatnot. Um, but specifically, like Hayden Christensen, something that like you know this was my man, this was my literal childhood hero. I was a kid with the prequels coming out, seeing this guy on the big screen. He was who I wanted to be as a kid. So the fact that he's not only back as Anakin in Star Wars is really cool, but the fact that his love for acting and now that I can appreciate his acting outside of Star Wars, it's it's exciting to see him step back into that. So I can appreciate him in theaters elsewhere. Because I've never seen a Hayden Christensen movie in theaters that's not Anakin or a Star Wars film, dude. That's really weird. I've seen other Daisy Ridley pieces, John Boega films, Ewan McGregor, Adam Dry. Not a single thing from Hayden Christensen. So, really hope this one sticks, and I can't wait to see what he does, and I cannot wait for this movie. But our last piece of news this week, uh, we have the first look at the Michael Jackson biopic coming, uh, featuring and starring his nephew Jafar Jackson. So, this one's kind of interesting as well. Um, Obviously, I believe it was 2009 or 2010 when This Is It came out. And that was kind of like the closest thing we've gotten to a full-on Michael Jackson film. And this one is a little little interesting, I feel like. We're kind of on like a weird wave ever since Bohemian Rhapsody dropped in 2018. Where every legend musician is getting their own film kind of thing. And it's cool. I'm here for it. And I'm very, very hopeful because we have the, the, the casting being kept in the family especially too. But man, I'm a bit scared for this film. I gotta be real with you. I just hope this one is good. And I hope it doesn't get kind of like butchered down in the final cuts for whatever reason they, it may be. But Tyler, are you a Michael Jackson fan? What are your thoughts on this film? Is this something you'll see in theaters? What are your thoughts? Mm, Michael Jackson, when I was growing up, I was kind of neutral on his music. Because it wasn't really my thing, but I was familiar with the greats. And then... I ended up doing renditions of some of his songs in middle school orchestra. Hmm. Would I see this in theaters? Yeah, I'd, I'd go see it in theaters. That, that'd be interesting. It's a lot. I, I want to see what's going on, how they recreate his life on the big screen. Because mm. most of what I know about Michael Jackson's life is satirized in South Park and memes. But if this is going to be a more serious work or look into it i'm all for that very well put man very well put and harold what about you man are you a michael jackson fan as well um it's not that i'm not a fan of him i just don't know anything about him really dude uh that was insane. Wow. the most stuff i know about him is the stuff i see from cartoons and that's not good so. yeah I know, right? <laughs> wow harold that's that's crazy okay so like what wow uh, you don't have any opinion on this one, I guess, though. So. I think, you know, from what I hear, he worked with on Sonic the Hedgehog 3, the soundtrack. I, I think believe so. It's one of the Sonic games, yeah, considering, yeah. Considering never revolved around video games, that's the most knowledge I know. Okay. So that was real? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it was real. Because he did stuff with Sega. That's why he has the, the game on Genesis, Moonwalker. Yeah. Wow. Sega. <laughs> Michael Jackson, Sonic. I did not expect all of this to tie in together like this, Max. I was going to say, this is the perfect news episode to have you guys with. Jurassic Parks, <laughs> Aiden Christensen, and Sonic, and Michael Jackson. There you go. All three tied down to Tyler. <laughs> oh, man, I had a Jurassic Park game on Sega, too. What's up? Oh, Jesus. That's crazy, man. All right, so that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for news this week, guys. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, go over our stream of the week in case you're new to the show. When we come back from our break, we're going to go ahead and start discussing Finding Nemo. But real quick, we're also going to go over our stream of the week brought to you by Brandon. So we'll be right back, guys. Oh, hi, Mark. What's going on, listeners? 
This is Brandon Messina, editor for Galaxy of Film, here to give you this episode's stream of the week. Being a fan of the Scott Pilgrim movie, I was really excited to watch the Netflix show Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. However, while I really liked the idea the show was going for, as I initially thought it was going to be just an extended version of the movie, I was left disappointed in the final result. I did like the animation style and how they expanded on Ramona's love life for the show, and I'm also glad that just about everyone in the live action film returned for their respective roles, but I felt the story was dragging towards the middle point of the show. I also wasn't a total fan of the meta references, but I at least appreciate them for trying to make it make sense to the story. Overall, I would still give it a recommendation to people who really enjoyed the movie, as I believe there are some positives you can take away from this. But to me, it's not enough to watch it for a second viewing. This has been your stream of the week, and let us continue on with the podcast. Alright guys, and we're back from our break. First up, we're going to go ahead and discuss 2003's Pixar's Finding Nemo. Now, Tyler, this is something we kind of grew up with. I was around the age of three, I believe, actually, when this drops. You would have been about four when was the first time you watched this? This is something you grew up with, I assume, correct? My earliest possible memory involves Finding Nemo. No, I literally don't like, like, Finding Nemo has just always existed with me because it was one of the few movies we had on DVD that I could play and repeat over and over. So it was kind of second nature to me. And even rewatching it over mm-hmm. the last few months, I still pick up stuff that I never saw as a kid sometimes. No, I agree on that. So what you're telling me is you, in your in your head, in your own consciousness, you open your eyes and Finding Nemo is playing. That's when you entered the world, basically. That's your earliest memory. <laughs> I think more specifically when the big fish eats all the eggies and kills the wife. I think that part, because I never understood it. I just thought, like, even four-year-old me knows this is pretty strange for a kids movie but i didn't know if like the barracuda thingy ate all the fishies or if the barracuda stole marlin's wife and ran off with all them kitties but now i get it (laughs) they were eaten (laughs) like bowser and mario he just kidnapped marlin's wife (laughs) can you imagine I don't know, bro. I don't jump to conclusions, but I have my theories. Okay, okay. Aaron, what about you, man? So, th- is this something you also grew up watching, constantly finding email? I assume this wasn't your first time watching it. Um, I've only watched it one time. What? And I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have no interest in watching it. I was a kid in school. They put the movie on, and if I played my Game Boy, I'd probably get in trouble. What? Okay, dang, uh-huh. man. So yeah. this was your second time watching this for the podcast, right? Yeah. Okay. That. So how old were you the first time you watched it, or the one time you watched it? Seven, eight, maybe. Whatever year that was in school, elementary. Dang. Wow, Harold. I can't believe you went all this time without watching Finding Nemo again, man. This was repeated in my house constantly. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm blown away by Harold in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a recap of Finding Nemo. Um, yeah, so Marlon and his wife living in the deep blue sea. There are a couple of clownfish. Uh, they have a whole bunch of babies on the way. A couple of eggs unhatched. All of a sudden, they get snatched up by the barracuda. And he comes in and he takes Marlon's wife and goes across the ocean and erase her kids. Um, and <laughs> except for one. <laughs> they leave poor little Nemo behind. Uh, Nemo is a little baby clownfish who has a messed up fin. It's not really developing very well, so it's like his little flipper. And on his way to his first day of school, Marlon is like an overprotective parent and drops Nemo off. Then hears they're going to the reef, they're going to the deep end kind of deal. Once they get there, they see there's a boat. And the other kids kind of dare Nemo to touch the butt. Marlon comes right before Nemo touches the butt and then is like, Yo, don't touch that butt, Nemo. And Nemo's like, Boom, I just touched the butt. On Nemo's way back down from the butt, some scuba divers come in and say, Hey, that's probably assault. You gotta come over here and deal with this, buddy. So they go ahead and kidnap Nemo and put him in the back of the car for questioning. Drive back home to Sydney, Australia. And Marlon is on a whole journey across the ocean to find his son. Um, During this journey, he meets up with Ellen DeGeneres, who has short-term memory loss. And kind of becomes his right-hand man, his travel buddy, his partner across the ocean. 
and it's revealed that Nemo is brought to a dentist office to live in the fish tank there, where the dentist, at the end of the week, plans to give Nemo to his niece, who is known as, like, a fish killer. Um, of course, in the tank, we got Willem Dafoe and a couple other guys living with Nemo who are trying to plan and uh, raise him up to escape the, the fish tank by jamming the filter back and forth throughout the whole movie. And throughout this adventure, Marlin's going through crazy things. They meet up with sharks. Um, we get the classic bit, you know, fish are friends, not our food. And, you know, we end up going through, like, the jellyfish fields, taking a little bit of a, a stop in Bikini Bottom for a minute for Dory to have a race. Um, after jellyfish fields, they kind of go through and meet Crush and Squirt, the turtles, who are just pretty great stoner turtles. Um, and a couple other things happen before they end up making their way to Sydney. And eventually, they end up finding Nemo. And at the very end, they live happily ever after. Dory gets to kind of live with them, calling it a new home over the deep blue sea with Marlon and Nemo. And yeah, dude, everything's kind of fine and dandy. We get a little after credits during the credit scene. With the other fish tank gang fishies all out in their baggies in the ocean chilling. And that is Finding Nemo. Now, Tyler, obviously this is something you and I grew up with watching, you know, an mm-hmm. un- unhealthy amount growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of your earliest memories with this thing, like, outside of just watching it at home? Like, where you remember this being out, like, out in the world? Like, I remember having merchandise from Finding Nemo, personally, growing up. Did you? Uh, I didn't have any merchandise, but the most I probably saw outside is at Disneyland, probably well over 10 years ago at this point. There was, like, a Finding Nemo ride where it was Mm. this, like, submarine on a track that actually went underwater, and then you see some cool visuals. Uh, I don't guess referenced a ton of pop culture I, mm. I was very late learning that ellen was dory uh, me too that was my introduction to ellen actually was this was finding Nemo's dory yeah yeah and we're not going to talk about the second movie but the second movie also made me realize that giving a fish a receding hairline was not an accident on marlin <laughs> i know that's right but, like, speaking of merchandising, though, with Finding Nemo, that was crazy, man. Like, I, I was always, like, a like an ocean kid. You know, I liked pirates. I went to the beach every summer, like, at a beach house kind of thing. So I had, like, fish on the walls kind of stuff. Like, I, I liked, I was fascinated by the ocean stuff. So this was right up my alley at this age. And I had Finding Nemo toys. And I remember the the most prominent one were, were some of the, the Happy Meal toys from McDonald's. And I vividly remember ordering, like, at the, the drive-thru. I was, like, a three-year-old just getting the toys. At, at the same McDonald's our buddy Colin worked at, actually, funny enough. Was but, it, like, a Nemo bath toy squirter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a whole, a whole line of them, basically. Thank yeah. you for unlocking my memory, because I almost completely forgot about all that McDonald's Happy Meal stuff. But, yes, I had all of that, too, Max. Yeah, I th- remember thank this. you. Thank you. <laughs> Probably from the same McDonald's, funny enough. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I had a whole bunch of those. Um, I constantly remember this playing, again, on Disney Channel. This was one of those movies we always watched on, like, the, the strapped-down TV on the rolling carts in school kind of thing. Finding Nemo was always very, very prominent. Um, Harold, I know you mentioned your only time watching this before the podcast was at school. Were kids in school, like, watching this? Was this talked about a lot growing up for you? Like, what was it like for you just avoiding Finding Nemo? <laughs> um, I I was trying to play my Game Boy. Other people were talking. Some people were disrupting the teacher. Really, it was just a movie Friday thing that my elementary school used to do. Mm-hmm. And they would put on a movie on because they didn't feel like teaching or something. And mm-hmm. then we all saw the opportunity to do what we really wanted to do. On a Friday of school, getting ready for the weekend, and I um I tried to play my Game Boy, but I did watch the movie. It was not interesting to me. What? We'll get that in a second, dude. For Christmas, Harold, I'm giving you a about a copy of Finding Nemo on GameCube or some shit, dude. That sounds crazy. Oh yeah, they have a game of it too, don't they? Yeah. Damn, man. This was the the era where like every every movie had a video game at this point. And some of the Pixar ones were solid, dude. The the yeah. Cars game on PS2 is incredible. 
I, I had think, Monsters Inc. on Game Boy. Okay, I never played Monsters Inc. I remember that was on PS One and PS Two, I think as well. But Cars, I played. I played the Wally one. Um, I never played Ratatouille, but a friend of mine rented it. I remember watching gameplay of it. Uh, I think I've played like one of the Toy Story games on PS One or something. But yeah, man, weird, weird time. Let's talk about standout moments, things we we like, we don't like. Harold, I'm kicking it back to you real quick. You, you didn't like this movie as a kid? What's up? Why didn't you find this fascinating? What's going on, man? I wanted to play my Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You're it probably... I didn't like the movie. I just thought I had something way better that I could be doing at that particular moment. What were you playing on your Game Boy? Do you remember? Uh, I... <laughs> I legit want to. I legit want to say Pokemon because that's what I played the most out of any other game. Mm-hmm. I legit want to say. Um, but I mean, it's not like it was a bad movie. <laughs> it just didn't catch your attention enough to want to watch it again, yeah. right? Like when I, I, when, I watched it, when I watched it early for the podcast, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's, it's a cool movie." That's crazy, man. Tyler, what were <laughs> some standout moments for you looking back on Finding Nemo? Do you really want me to get into that? Because I have more questions about this than anything. All right, bro. So <laughs> was it It was either this movie or SpongeBob where the makers of the movie had to do like some marine biology study stuff? I think it was this movie. I think so. Do you think Dory really moved back to the anemone with them? Because clownfish, you know, their skin, they don't get stung by the anemone. But Dory, I don't, I don't think she's immune to that. How, how, how is Dory living with them, bro? That's one question. We uh, have the sequel. I, f- I totally forget about Finding Dory. I've only seen that one time. Oh, I don't even think Finding Dory answers this. Oh, wait. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Okay, well, never we're, mind. We're going, I into, I... we're going into the follow-up episode for this later this year blind, it looks like, too. So all of your questions will be answered. We'll have to look back on this. I'm in the right headspace for forgetting about that at the moment, but... Where are the other stick-out moments? Oh, yeah, uh, getting to the age where realizing that the sharks and the fish are friends, not food thing is, like, a play on the 12-step programs and stuff. Yep, yeah, that got, I caught that this time around, finally, yeah. Yeah, and the part where he's like, sorry, he never knew his father trying to make excuses for him while they're trying to get eaten. Oh, when they're in the, the torpedo tube, like the, the chamber? Yeah, hold on. There's there's another I was thinking of. Uh, oh yeah, another thing. They were living on the great that that beautiful reef and stuff like that's a delicate ecosystem. How far away do you think they actually were from the Sydney Harbor? Cause like, watch the whole movie take place only about like fifty miles of ground. Well, that's the thing. Remember, that's why they had to find the current with Crush and uh and and Squirt. Because it was too oh, yeah. far for them not to. It, those were the best characters, man. Have you ever met a turtle that's 150 years old? Dude, I was when rewatching this, I was thinking the same thing. Crush and Squirt—they were so cool to me as kids. But damn, dude, they are just awesome. Looking back on it. that whole sequence where they're in the current, uh, going I need what to they Sydney have. is gorgeous. I want what they're having. <laughs> you know, to be that chill and 150 years old. <laughs> Harold, what are some standout moments for you with uh, Finding Nemo? I like that the dad was a clownfish that wasn't funny. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great running Rip on it, joke, bro. Yeah. Rip it. Mm-hmm. No, I feel yeah. Speaking of uh, of Marlon being a dad in this too, I th- I think you know Pixar really had something special back in the day, and to a degree, I, I still think they very much do. Um, you know. I'm just not a kid, so I'm not going to appreciate like something like Turning Red or Luca as much as I would have back when Finding Nemo first came out. I was a kid consuming this stuff, you know. But Finding Nemo is a great story about like a good dad, dude. Seriously, like Marlon wins Single Dad of the Year award. I feel like truly does. Yeah, the thing he did for his kid. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know the kind of annoying thing you see on Facebook, Tyler, where it's Father's Day coming up and. A lot of single moms are posting, oh, yeah, they, it's Happy Mother's Day, too, or whatever. That oh, kind of yeah. Attitude. yeah. Marlon defends Father's Day, bro. That's <laughs> He's the justification for it. <laughs> Marlon is that kind of dad. We need to have some uh, some Happy Father's Day shirts with Marlon's face on it. <laughs> that hairliner seating. Oh, I yeah. Big ups. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's go ahead. Harold, is there anything about this thing you don't like off the top of your head about this film? Rip it, bro. That little girl? What little girl? 
the one that was killing the fish. Oh, oh, the niece, the actual <laughs> human little girl. Okay, I got you. Dola. Yeah. You don't like her? Not, what? Tell us about it. She kills fish. <laughs> <laughs> not on purpose, but I don't like that character. No, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Anything? <laughs> any other gripes yeah. you have? Uh, no, nah, I wouldn't have the movie really was good. I just didn't like her. <laughs> uh, for me, man, this this is still a perfect movie. You know, this held up as a kid. This is a an animation masterpiece. And, you know, it's really crazy. Um, we'll kind of talk about this in a minute, too, with Inside Out, Tyler. But, you know, Pixar consistently sets the standard for, for animation as well. With this being 2003, this looks better than a lot of stuff I still see today. This movie looks gorgeous still and blows me away. Um, yeah, they took yeah. their time on it. Yeah. What are any final comments you have with this one, Todd, before we talk rating? I remember hearing this fact the other day that that whole jellyfish sequence took a whole year to animate, despite lasting a few minutes. I, I thought that did. was impressive. If that tells you the amount of detail, attention to detail, and uh, and fine detail that went into the animation, I don't know what does, bro. Yeah, that, that's definitely big ups on Pixar. Uh Oh man, I don't remember where it was. You know the A one thirteen Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember where it was in this one either. Damn it! Normally I can name it in all the other movies in a license plate. I don't remember where it popped up on this one. Probably like a pipe or something. Probably something I think in the submarine. I imagine. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah, I, I always look for that one as well because I had noticed it in Ratatouille a couple weeks ago or when I was rewatching that. Man, you just made me remember the anglerfish scene with the scary darkness and the light balls fish. I know, it's so cool, dude. I just remember that. Yeah, that was badass. <laughs> Harold, what would you rate Finding Nemo? Um, geez, I always forget how to rate stuff. But four. That's four, not okay. Best one, right? We got a best spin. Okay, a best spin from you. Very yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, this it's is really a good. Death Star for me, dude. This this is a perfect movie. This is this is incredible. Finding Nemo is great. Um, this, it's probably the best movie of all time taking place underwater besides Spongebob. You know, I think those two kind of (laughs) reign supreme in any way, shape, or form. Screw you, James Cameron, if you think otherwise. Um, yeah, I love Finding Nemo. But Tyler, what are your thoughts, uh, final ratings for Finding Nemo? Yeah, man, I grew up with this movie. And if I had anything to rip it for, I don't know if it's hard to do because it's just so sentimentalized now or I am just completely blind from objectively judging it. But, man, I love it. I, I don't know what else to not to. Mm. I mean, growing up with it, the fact that I'm still seeing stuff that I never noticed before, I really just don't have a reason not to like it, which is why I was waiting for Hale to rip into it, too. But <laughs> valid points. I think I'd give it a best bit on the way to Coruscant. Okay. All right, sounds pretty fair, man. Sounds pretty positive. Let's go ahead and get prepped up for our next film, Inside Out. Uh, before we do that, Harold, I know you didn't get a chance to watch this movie. I don't want to spoil it for you. So this is where we're going to say goodbye, for my good sir. However, listeners, we will be doing a follow-up to this episode. Um, of course, Inside Out 2 is coming out this summer. So we'll be discussing Finding Dory and Inside Out 2 this summer. Harold, you'll be returning for that prepped up giving us your thoughts on both Inside Out films and Finding Dory as well. So, got to get you ready for that, good sir. But where can our listeners find you if they don't follow you already, Harold? On most of my social media, it's always going to be Gamer Harold. And on YouTube, it's it's two with Gamer Harold and the other one being Harold Dyson Entertainment. Awesome, man, awesome. And the link's down below. We're going to go ahead and take another quick break for our listeners, and we'll be right back to discuss Inside Out. Oh, what's up? Oh, what's up? It's it's Yates here, and I played Jason in Galaxy of Films' newest short film, Distinguished. I just wanted to take a sec to interrupt the podcast to let you know that as of July 15th, Distinguished is available right now on the Galaxy of Film website and YouTube channel. Check it out. Don't be a dick whippet. Come on. Oh. 
Alright guys, then we're back from our second break. This time around we're discussing Inside Out, which came out in 2015. Uh, Tyler, we were in high school when this one came out. And oh yeah. I know early on for high school I was in a pretty god-awful relationship and I wasn't watching a lot of movies in theaters. Um, was this something you also kind of skipped in theaters because we were at a weird age in high school or did you catch this right away? I just don't think I cared to see it back then. I was going to movies. I don't think that one ever caught my attention. I did not watch it until I was an adult and out of the house. Okay, so how long ago did you watch this then for the first time? It had to have been about uh, three or four years ago. Okay. Pretty recent. Okay, so got some numbers on me, man. This was a first time watch for me, actually. I completely oh. skipped over Inside Out, which was funny because during this time, uh, Disney Infinity, if you remember the, the game series that had the Toys to Life figures, back when like Skylanders and Amiibo were a big thing, um, I had Inside Out figures for Disney Infinity, but I never watched the movie. It's crazy. Um, but Inside Out, a little bit of a recap of this film. This movie's kind of like Toy Story for emotions, so we're inside the brain of a young girl, Riley. Um, and we're kind of sticking with her five emotions, joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. And when Riley moves to San Francisco from uh, Minnesota or Montana, one of the M states. Uh, Minnesota. Her, Minnesota. Thank you. When she moves back from Minnesota, she, they, um, her life kind of goes to shit, basically. And she's kind of sad. She's kind of acting out. She's like a nine-year-old, if I'm not mistaken, you know. She's kind of lashing out on her parents, acting out in school, not really making friends very well, not wanting to socialize. And inside of her brain, we're kind of having this conundrum, this plot, this problem going on where all of her memories are being touched by Sadness, who, of, of course, is voiced by Phyllis from The Office. And Joy has to figure out what's going on, how can we restore the joy, the happiness, the emotions she stands for. And there's these couple islands surrounding HQ in her brain. And these islands are for like the things Joy or for that Riley loves, like her family, her honesty, hockey, her friendship, her their, her desire to have fun and imagination, all that kind of jazz. And Joy and sadness kind of get sucked into this tube and kind of have to go out and figure out how to restore Riley's happiness while within this massive, everlasting library-style area for all of Riley's memories. Um, throughout this time, they meet Riley's old uh, imaginary friend, Bing Bong, and they kind of discover that, you know, Riley kind of needs to embrace sadness every once in a while. Each person needs to accept sadness to move forward, and that memories can have more than one conflicting feelings. It doesn't mean something's tainted by being a bit sad. Um, and that's kind of the moral of the whole film back and forth. And yeah, then the film Riley becomes happy again, of course. And that's kind of inside out. This one, I don't know why, man. Pixar movies are super, super easy to watch. But for whatever reason, like, this was something that almost intimidated me. I was like, this is a whole new world. I don't want to dive into it. You know, I'm, I'm already a big Toy Story, Cars, Incredible. Like, there's so much other stuff. I don't want to dive into another Disney franchise. And I was really hesitant with Inside Out 2 coming out. And then I had a couple friends who really were like, no, no, you finally got to give it a chance. Give it a chance. And here we are. And it's it's a very simple watch and a very enjoyable watch of that, too. Um, what were some of your immediate thoughts after watching Inside Out, Tyler? Man, this movie... This movie single-handedly brought the term core memory to the popular vocabulary. Like, mm. the way they explain it in the movie gave it a lot of meaning. And now, like, we use that term quite a lot to describe stuff. And then my mother, who works in the mental health field, said that this movie was a really good allegory that her patients could use to express a lot of stuff. Oh. It was pretty significant. Uh... The whole new world, dude, visually, let's just say it is beautiful. You can get lost in all the colors and the glow of the characters. And in contrast to hmm. the gray streets of San Francisco and their old house, like, I don't even care for the plot at that point. I can get lost in the visuals, but you know how I, I am with that stuff. I can just stare at shit. And what's also really cool about the visuals, too, specifically like Joy's mind, or uh, Riley's mind, excuse me, is kind of like how like sparkly everyone kind of is. They all look dreamy to a certain extent. They all look yeah. a bit exaggerated and um, 
very expressive, like a child. You would imagine this is the imaginary friend that comes to life, and I love that about this. It's finely detailed, which is a very nice touch. Um, you know, I almost feel like, and this this may be me overstepping or just thinking out of line, dude. I'm obviously not in this position, but you are, Tyler. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. I feel like Inside Out is a movie that that can be watched between a parent and a kid and that a parent can really take something from to kind of understanding their child's emotions more. Obviously, Tyler, you have a daughter and she's very young, so you're not having to go through any of this stuff really yet. But yeah. do, you, do you see that correlation? Do you think this has added any value for you being a parent as well? I feel like it can, but mostly if you're kind of already ignorant to all that, because I didn't think the way they were displaying it was anything groundbreaking. Some sure. people get that early on, and some people don't get it until they see the movie, you know? But if mm. it helps that other side who don't already understand, man, it's a it's a win. That's true. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Is there anything about Inside Out that you don't like off the top of your head any gripes of this film um yeah man sadness i don't know how they kept doing this in the story plot but did you ever think is there a reason that she can't just stop touching shit (laughs) turning all the memories sour because that it just seemed deliberate like Yo, just tie your hands behind your back, or you got something horribly wrong. I did not understand how she just kept on having to touch everything, bro. I don't know why they made that. Like, make her trip over a bunch of stuff and can't stop touching. Make her accident prone and clumsy, but her just deliberately touching all the balls. I can't help it. Especially when she's being dragged and she just has a hand out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the only part where I was really like, okay, why? Yeah, I can see that. I definitely understand that. Yeah, uh, another, the last thing too was, uh, this is more than understanding your kid's feelings because she just seemed really distraught and not happy to be in San Francisco to begin with. I don't know how that really gets talked through, but... Hmm. This girl got sad enough to try to take a bus back home by herself at 12 years old. I think it goes beyond what the characters in her head could do. But, I mean, if it worked out in the end, it worked out in the end, right? I guess so, man. Um, One of the complaints I have about this movie is the music, actually. I'm not super big on the score for this. Um, You know, Pixar film. I, I kind of for both of these movies, actually, now that I think about it as perfect as Finding Nemo is, it doesn't have like a a song moment. Pixar films are kind of known for that, whether it be a, you know, a life is a highway like in cars or a, you got a friend of me toy story moment. There's always been a theme. We can kind of recognize these films, monsters, Inc, Ratatouille up, even Wally all have recognizable themes. I don't really catch stuff inside out. Unfortunately, I feel like it's kind of like the, the reoccurring thing with the the 2010s Pixar films, we're seeing it come back a bit more. Soul obviously is a whole film, fi- like a music film. So like, of course, with the soundtrack for that's a bit recognizable. Um, Turning Red has like all the pop stars in it, which kind of helps, and um, Luca has the the Italian instrumentals, which kind of helps it too a bit. But unfortunately, yeah, Inside Out doesn't do it for me musically at all. And Finding Nemo, looking back, also doesn't really have much musical things that's uh, memorable for me but i think yeah. it was my only real gripes for inside out i was really really shocked how much i liked this one yeah for finding nemo the th- memorable theme was playing during the credits that not a lot of people remember somewhere beyond the sea that little jazzy piece and that one stuck with me because when i got my first toy keyboard that was one of the pre-programmed songs that were in it but inside out score dude now that you mention it I don't remember any of it. Like yeah, man. in my it's head, it's like it had no music at all. I'm wondering if they lack that on purpose just to emphasize something else, or if they were really just trying to give the intern a chance at the music, but I don't remember any of it. That's how unremarkable it is. Not saying that detracts too much from the movie, but 
with the colors of the brain dream world i feel like they could have got some ethereal trippy stuff going there but i'll say that about literally anything no i agree on that though i agree what would you what would you rate inside out inside out i give it a solid best spin bro yeah this is also a best spin for me too um yeah it's something i wish i watched when we were in high school i don't i don't remember why i didn't other than just not going to the movies a lot because our relationship i was in like a, like a lot of movies we saw together were things she had to pick. I didn't really have a backbone kind of deal. And, you know, I was, I was fucking I was 15, 16 is what it is. You know, I'm not trying to dread on a past relationship. But, like, now that we're doing the podcast and we're going through a lot of things, I did admit, like Jurassic World, for example, when we did that on the podcast a couple years ago. That's another thing I skipped because of that. And it's so weird because these movies were not only a big deal, but they're pretty good. You know, they're pretty solid yeah, you're, so far. You're catching up a whole bunch, and it's kind of beautiful doing it now, too, with your older, more mature perspective than if you were a teenager. You didn't get to grow up with it, but you mm. see it now and all of its effects in hindsight. It's a really different perspective. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's a funky perspective, too, especially with something like a Pixar film where I'm so used to aging with it and admiring it as I get older and older, you know? So it's kind of cool that I can look back on a film that's almost 10 years old now, and it's like, ah, this is pretty damn solid. You know, like, like I put it this way, man, like, the difference between Inside Out and Inside Out 2, if I'm not mistaken, is the exact same time-wise from Toy Story 2 and 3 when I was a kid. You know, and mm. I saw Toy Story 3 in theaters. You right know? on, man. Stuff like that, but... Yeah, Inside Out's pretty solid. I give it a best spin for sure. And of course, Finding Nemo is a masterpiece. And like I said, everyone, we will of course be doing a follow-up episode later this summer discussing Finding Dory and Inside Out 2. We'll all be returning for it, and you guys just gotta stick tuned for that one, because Disney is not gonna let us get it early. (laughs) Yeah. Only the best for Galaxy of Film. But I think it's gonna wrap it up for this week, Tyler. I think so. Right, I'm about to go eat some chicken Alfredo. (laughs) For our listeners, thank you so much for sticking around. Be sure to check out our newest short film, No Vex, that Tyler and I did, actually. Um, next oh, yeah. week, we got some more special stuff planned up for you guys, so stay tuned. Check out last week's episode where we talked Basic Instinct and Exotica with Lee Darby. Link down below as well to some of our other stuff we discussed in this episode. Um, of course, check out Harold's channels and content as well. You can follow us on Instagram, X, and TikTok, all at Galaxy of Film. Be sure to join the Galaxy of Film fan club on Facebook for early and exclusive content ran by our director of fan relations, Shamim. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us an iTunes and Spotify review. It truly does help with the show much more than you can imagine. And we'll talk to you guys next time. I love you. Bye.